welcome to the Prescription Podcast. On this show, we present to you up-to-date facts on medical-related topics. I'm your host, Ian, a general surgeon practicing in Kuala Lumpur. We are on Apple and Spotify Podcasts. Please follow us for updates on new episodes. This podcast was created with the intent of creating awareness on current health issues in the public. Please do still consult your doctor if you have doubts. Today, we are on episode 36 and we are talking about ischemic heart disease, basically a disease that brings about heart attack. And I am honoured to welcome Dr. David Yong, a cardiologist currently working with Institute Jantung Negara. Welcome, David. Thanks for coming to the show. Hey, thanks, Ian. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, it's great to reconnect with you after uh, so many years yes, of living yeah. in this tea. Uh. <laughs> Surprisingly, it's on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's always good to, to be connect back mm. with our you know fellow community, our doctors. And I think uh, yeah. I'm yeah, very glad that you took on this challenge to um, share basically about heart disease today. Probably... Would I be correct if in saying that it's an uh, increasing incidence in Malaysia? Yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, um, heart disease has always been uh, up there among the uh, uh, highest uh, cause of death. In fact, in the past uh, decade or so, it has been uh, consistently the number one uh, cause of death in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. And the frequency of uh, uh, this uh, coronary artery disease or ischemic heart disease, as you mentioned, uh, the one that we frequently uh, refer to as heart attack, has been steadily increasing. So if you talk about death alone, I have the data with me. Um, on average, um, uh, in 2010, around 9,000 uh, person Malaysians uh, actually passed away due to a heart disease. Mm. Uh, but in 2018, the number actually almost doubled up to 18,000. Wow. So the, the statistics why is really alarming. I'm sure um, myself and you as well know someone that actually has suffered from uh, such disease. Uh, yep. And the general public has definitely known a friend or relative uh, that has uh, been diagnosed or underwent some treatment or such uh, or actually passed away from uh, ischemic heart disease. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's increased in the past decade because you know the past few podcasts that we've had I've actually talked about a couple of things and one of the things is uh, obesity and uh, unfortunately Malaysia has won best prize in terms of uh, being the most obese nation in whole of Asia and of course with that comes many diseases right and I'm sure one of them is you know heart disease right so I've kind of already dived into it but Maybe you can tell us a little bit about who are the people who are at risk of getting, you know, ischemic heart disease or heart attack. Uh, I think you hit it right on point. Um, Obesity is a huge problem in Malaysia. Uh, Two thirds of our uh, community actually overweight or obese, which is uh, 60%, which is uh, we are the highest in the Asia Pacific region, Mm -hmm. um, you know. And uh, in terms of uh, non-communicable disease, uh, we are, um, the, I would say, the champion <laughs> yeah. in this region. So the thing about the, uh, the question is who are at risk, uh, to put it simply, uh, actually everyone, everyone is at risk. But of course, there are certain uh, factors that put you at higher risk compared to another individual. When you talk about risk of ischemic heart disease or coronary artery disease, you usually tend to uh, separate them into modifiable and non-modifiable. Non-modifiable being the uh, things that you can't change. Uh, number one, of course, uh, increasing in age. Yeah? The higher your age, of course, your risks are higher. And um, male yeah, tend to have an uh, increased risk of uh, ischemic heart disease. Huh? Up to 60 to 70% of our patients in IGN itself are actually of a male 
sex. Of course, uh, family history plays a strong part. Apart from that, when you talk about modifiable risk factors, uh, we are also very high in terms of hypertension, uh, high cholesterol, uh, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, overweight, and as well, uh, we need not say, uh, diabetes is rampant in this country. And all this actually uh, comes together and put an individual at a higher risk of um, a heart attack or heart disease. Okay, probably... I think everyone knows, uh, you know, with our diet and whatever not, we've, we've landed ourselves basically being the most obese nation in Asia-Pacific and with that, uh, diabetes and whatnot. I think what people are probably very, very interested to know, people are more and more aware about uh, their, their own body and, and their health. What are the things that they probably want to look early on? I mean, definitely, yes, if they are diabetic, if they've got high blood pressure, if they're obese, if they've got high cholesterol, you know, they'll probably monitor uh, to see if they have heart attack. But what if uh, they don't know any of this? What should they do to, I guess, catch early on, uh, you know? Yeah, I think uh, it comes to the question whether the... Uh heart disease is preventable or not. I think that's yep. the main thing that people want to know, yep. uh, whether you can prevent heart disease. Well, um, the good news is to a certain extent, yes, we can. We can prevent uh, heart disease or ischemic heart disease. Um, usually when I uh, talk about this topic, I usually uh, split it down into uh, four simple steps. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so number one would be uh, in terms of your diet. Yeah. So I said, look before you eat. <laughs> Ah, okay. So I think, yeah, that usually we eat first and then we look, oh, done already. <laughs> and then we regret <laughs> taking it. Yeah, so uh, the thing is, um, we need to equip ourselves with the knowledge on what kind of foods are actually good for you. And it talks about the heart, um, then uh, we will usually promote a um, uh, less of the animal-based product, meaning the red meat, uh, seafood, uh, cheese, and all these uh, animal-based product. More on the grains and healthy uh, vegetables and greens and all these things. Um, so that would be step number one. I think uh, know about what you are taking, what you are eating, and what food is good for you and what food you should avoid. Um, step number two is um, don't smoke. Yeah, Don't smoke. Huh? Smoking is a known risk factor for heart disease and um, uh, of course um, uh, should not uh, if as much as possible, not smoke. Lah, huh? Okay. And then uh, step three would be um, exercise. Yeah. Uh, we recommend now uh, moderate intensity exercise. What do you mean by moderate intensity? Just a brisk walking. Uh, brisk walking will do uh, how much duration? 150 minutes a week. That will be uh, very good for your heart health. And uh, I would say step number four. Step number four would be screening via blood tests and other health uh, screening. Yeah. Because... Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of times, uh, cholesterol, uh, diabetes, and high blood pressure do not carry any symptoms. So you won't yep. know uh, if you have uh, high cholesterol unless you do a blood check. So in our guidelines in Malaysia, um, we recommend uh, screening as early as 30 years of age, uh, especially for male. Wow. Yeah, really? At 30 least. years old? Wow. Yes. Yes, I'm ten years behind. <laughs> ten years behind. Well, I, I think you uh, probably have done a cholesterol test uh, yeah, at yeah. one point of your uh, life, uh, just to you know uh, look at the numbers, right? So yeah. I would say the step four would be know your numbers. What is yeah. your blood pressure? What okay. is your cholesterol levels and what your sugar? So to summarize, uh, step one, watch what you eat. Step two, mm. don't smoke. Step three, exercise. And step four would be uh, know your numbers. Yeah. Oh, your your exercise is uh, pretty consistent with what. You know, I've read before and we've also put on the podcast talking about 150 minutes a week. Um, I think we were talking about, <laughs> I can't remember, I think it was constipation and bowel movement. So it's also recommended 150 minutes a week and that's basically uh, two and a half hours a week. 
Correct. Yeah. Uh, of module exercise. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think it's. Can we talk yeah. about the exercise? Um, yep. Because nowadays, you know, a lot of people have uh, smart watches. You see. Correct. And, uh, smart smartwatches actually can record your exercise, and uh, it can even tell you the intensity of the heart rate on your exercise that you do. So yep. it's uh, you know, if you have one of these smartwatches, very useful. Uh, you can just log your exercise, and you can uh, tell you know if you have done 150 minutes, and you give you a nice badge if you've done it, you know, for the week. And uh, <laughs> and the thing is, um, if you are you no know, busy on the week days, huh? you can maybe top up on the weekends huh? I'm going yep. for longer sessions and that I think is very useful. Yeah. So I think uh, to kind of sum it up, I think um, to, to the listeners out there, there is basically no kind of early symptoms per se, but more of monitoring what you do that will lead to, to heart disease. I think that's very, very important. Uh, knowing your lifestyle and knowing your own body uh, are things that we consistently say on the podcast. Yeah. So I think you've also touched a little bit about uh, screening. And I think before I could ask the question, you've already said as, as early as 30. But is it in males as early as 30? What about females then? How old should they start screening? Yeah, um, well, in general, uh, females tend to get uh, heart disease a bit later compared to yep. men. Yeah, But yep. uh, in terms of screening, we like to put it as a blanket rule, make it mm-hmm. simple, 30 years of age, at least know your cholesterol, know your sugar but when you talk about a uh, heart specific specific screening yeah like uh, sometimes we run some tests such as a stress test yep. or a uh, CT scan uh, just to look at the blood vessels uh, then this depends uh, on uh, your risk profile if you're on a higher risk profile maybe uh, uh, you, you you can go for uh, such a test yeah mm. and it depends on uh, the magnitude of your risk um, so a generous uh, stress test usually will recommend uh, 40 years and above. You okay. can do a stress test, maybe right. yearly or two yearly. Um, stress test is very simple. Basically, you ask you to run on a stre- uh, on treadmill and then go mm. let your heart rate goes up and we look yep. at your ECG and your echocardiogram. Yep. Uh, but more uh, frequently, recently, we have a lot of people going for uh, tests such as a CT scan, uh, which is yep. very accurate and can tell you the uh, presence of uh, narrowing your blood vessels very accurately, uh, more than 90% accuracy. Yep. And for high-risk individuals, we do recommend a uh, CT scan. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, so, all right, that's that's a very good one. But you see, I think one of the, the things that I've been frequently asked, and I'm sure you probably have to as, have been as well, is that um, I think nowadays more and more we hear of so-called fit people um, who play badminton. Or I think the recent one I read this morning was the person went on a hike and had sudden death. Uh, my guess, my best guess was he had a heart attack. Right, and these people were so-called. I mean, I I say so-called because I don't know their background. Uh, they were so-called fit because they've been doing this from time to time. So, in terms of this, you know, this, these are the patients that uh, maybe did not have any disease. Would you say that they probably didn't check their cholesterol and they were having some sort of uh, high cholesterol undetected previously? Mm. Okay. Um. Very interesting. I mean, uh, we often hear about. Um, uh, athletes especially, yeah? Uh, yeah. football athletes, you watch the English Premier League, suddenly someone collapsed, fall down uh, on the on the pitch and then, uh, you know, someone uh, actually reported to have a heart, heart problem or heart condition. Mm. Mm. I would like to uh, divide this group of people into two uh, groups, uh, meaning uh, uh, one group will being uh, cardiomyopathy. Correct. Uh, that means uh, there is an inherent problem with the heart muscle itself. Uh. This is yep. actually different from... Uh, uh, the heart disease that we generally see in uh, what, what we call the heart disease that we uh, usually refer to. Yep. Uh, so in this kind of patients where athletes, uh, they tend to have uh, cardiomyopathy uh, where they are prone to what we call sudden cardiac death. 
Yeah, mm. uh, this is uh, actually a separate issue altogether, um, yep. and it's not related to the uh, heart disease that uh, we used to talk about. But right. I also have, uh, you know, uh, experience uh, patients um, who are athletes, in fact, triathletes, yep. um, uh, uh, professional cyclists uh, that come in with a heart attack that we uh, uh, usually uh, talk about uh, and we are currently referring to. Uh, um, yeah. But the main reason is because although uh, they are good in the exercise part and the you know health uh, progression part, there are some risk factors that are what we mentioned as non-modifiable. As right. your age goes up, if you have a very strong family history of a heart disease, uh, this tends to be inherent, and uh, uh, that's why I would like to say no. Nobody is uh, you know uh, you know uh, can get away with this. Everyone is actually at risk. So mm. I think um, appropriate screening. And uh, the steps that I mentioned is all very important, even if you're athlete or non-athlete, yeah? Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's it's back to despite so-called good diet, uh, good living, sorry, good lifestyle, mm-hmm. uh, exercise, screening is still a must. Yeah, there, no one can, no one should run away from Correct. that. Well, well yeah. if you have a good exercise, good diet, probably your risk is lower, but lower. it's not zero, yeah? It not negates, uh, your, that does not negate your risk, yeah. So interesting. Interestingly, mm-hmm. because we we talked about uh, the whole screening process. So mm-hmm. if someone is say an athlete, mm-hmm. uh, in this case, would the stress test still be valid? Yeah. Excellent question. You see, I have uh, uh, patients uh, where that uh, they are you know triathlete. They can actually do a very good uh, stress test uh, because yeah. their heart uh, is very used to uh, stress. Yeah. And they can go up to stage 5, stage 6, stage 7 without showing any changes. But despite that, uh, sometimes we do uh, miss uh, what we call this uh, coronary artery disease in Correct. this group of patients because their heart are compensating so well to the uh, stressful environment. Yep. So maybe um, if there is a high index of suspicion, maybe uh, another test uh, or of different sorts uh, tend to be uh, more uh, better to pick up uh, uh, this uh, narrowing in the artery in this uh, group of patients uh, we call athletes. Yeah. So in this case, this these are the patients that probably would, if they want something less invasive, then the CT angiogram would probably be... Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, we have a lot of evidence now for CT coronary angiogram. Um, okay. If, let's say, a person, an uh, individual 45 or 50 years old, were to go for CT coronary angiogram and uh, we can we, we look from the CT scan, your coronary vessels are pristine, meaning that mm. you do not have any calcium. The vessels are pristine and very uh, nice looking, very normal. Yep. Uh, then we can actually tell you that, you know, next 5 to 10 years, uh, depending on how you take care of your health and uh, whether you have other risk factors, the risk of heart disease is close to zero, yeah, um, uh, less than one mm. percent. Uh, okay. Yeah, so this is a very good predictor or uh, what we call. I usually tell my patients a warranty period <laughs> after you do a, <laughs> a CT scan. Uh, if you are, you know, pristine vessels, huh, I will give you a warranty of five years. Uh, yeah, but um, if the um, uh, detection, uh, CT scan detection, detecting some mild disease, huh, mild narrowing. Uh, yep. That is a call to arms uh, that we have to treat the cholesterol, the blood pressure, and the sugar very aggressively uh, to prevent mm. uh, you from actually, uh, uh, you know, uh, the condition actually worsening and coming in with the heart attack in the future. So I think it's a very good uh, screening tool. There's uh, no, no non-invasive. You don't put any wires into your bodies. You're just injecting a contrast media, a color into your uh, bloodstream and then uh, going for a test. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... I, I, of course, I did not read your, your guidelines because yeah. uh, <laughs> it's going to be too difficult for me. But uh, yeah. where would the CT coronary angiogram fall in terms of you know, as a screening tool? I mean, would you recommend it 
or is it something that is we still go, you know, from step by step, we do the stress test first, and if that is negative, but, you know, we worry, then we do CT angiogram, or how, how does it work? Yeah, um, so I think if you have multiple risk factors, uh, then a CT scan would be, uh, of course, uh, warranted. If you have symptoms, yep. chest pain, you're not sure whether whether it is from uh, your heart or some from somewhere else, you know, mm. other part of the body, then a CT scan uh, might be a good choice. And of course, the only thing is, uh, of course, we would like to screen as many people as possible, but there is a downside to it like, in terms of cost right. and also radiation. I would oh, usually, I uh, know this is not in the guideline, uh, but uh, <laughs> for patients uh, 50 and above, I usually yep. tell them, you know, if you have risk factors, you do it at least once. At least yep. once, then you know yep. where you are at, huh? yep. if you can yep. afford it. Okay, mm. yeah. So I think as, as uh, David has mentioned, mm. it's not in the guidelines, mm. but... Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I I probably I can probably do the stress test, but uh, probably I would probably opt for a CT coronary <laughs> angiogram myself uh, at some point of time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So okay. that versus you know the conventional mm-hmm. angiogram. Mm-hmm. I think would you say that would you know in someone who has a lot of um, risk factors as you mentioned, mm-hmm. would that kind of replace? Um, the conventional angiogram where you have to poke someone in the vessel mm. and then you know cannulate and that kind of thing yeah, would you say um, that's kind of replacing that uh, well in terms of diagnosis in terms of detection uh, yeah. I would say a coronary angiogram uh, or what we call the CT coronary angiogram a CT yep. scan is as good as okay. good as a coronary angiogram the okay. only thing is um, if you want to put a balloon or put a stand in you still still need to do a Correct. invasive so in terms of detection, it is as good. Mm. Okay, okay. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of summarize mm-hmm. for our audience out there, mm-hmm. uh, basically it's back to, I guess, the basics of you know detecting early, basically mm-hmm. knowing the risk factors that lead to a heart disease. And then if they do have the risk factors, they have to go for the screening test, whether it's a stress test mm-hmm. or, you know, in the case, some cases, you know, probably a CT, angi- CT coronary angiogram would be just as good. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I think this leads me to the next question. In those mm. patients who are probably having a lot of risk factor, mm. uh, what kind of symptoms should they be watching out? Because, you know, people, I think when we talk about heart attack, yeah, most people only know about chest pain yeah. most of the time. Yeah. But, you know, for our listeners out there, maybe you can describe things that they should be looking out for if they are indeed having, you know, quite a few risk factors. What mm. should they look out for for early intervention? And this, when you talk about symptoms, uh, there's two parts to it. And number one is um, the uh, ischemic heart disease or narrowing in the blood vessel. Usually, the patients come with uh, symptoms of what called angina. Yep. Yeah, angina is a, a chest pain originating from the heart. So, a lot of uh, people are very worried when you get chest pains. Yeah? They, they, they come and then they say, uh, am I having a heart disease? Uh, but uh, chest pain... From uh, heart disease is uh, quite uh, specific. Uh, usually, it is uh, centrally located behind mm-hmm. the sternum, uh, behind the mm-hmm. uh, breastbone. Breastbone, yeah. Yeah, and then the uh, the the uh, chest pain is very dull in nature. Mm. It's not sharp. It's not like something uh, someone pricking you. Uh, usually, mm. uh, I have patients describe to me like someone standing on their chest. Yep. Yeah, someone standing on their chest. Um, okay, and then um, the uh, chest pain tend to radiate. It can go to the neck area. Uh, mm-hmm. or uh, both the shoulders and especially mm. on the left arm. Yep. Um, along with that, it also have some associated symptoms such as uh, uh, breathlessness, mm-hmm. uh, cold sweats. Uh, sometimes uh, some patients even feel nausea, um, some feeling of fear. Yeah, 
this uh, can come along with the uh, uh, chest pain. Yep. yep. And this chest pain typically worsens when you exert yourself, when you climb the stairs, when you walk a certain distance, mm. and it goes away after you uh, take a rest. Okay. So a heart attack in the sense uh, happens when uh, this chest pain occur very suddenly. Yeah, very suddenly. Uh, the onset is very sudden and then uh, it gets worse very fast and uh, it's not relieved uh, by anything. Yeah? yeah. So if that happens, then you have to uh, come to the hospital immediately and uh, you need to get checked out. But mm. if the chest pain goes away, uh, after you rest, or you take some medication or we call GTN, you put under your tongue, mm. uh, then probably you are uh, still okay. Lah, huh? We can mm. treat, uh, see you as a you know, elective basis. But if you have a chest pain that's very strong, very severe, not going away, come to the hospital. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I think it's key to recognize this quickly mm-hmm. and uh, get intervention quickly because yes. it can make a lot of difference, right? Yes, I think time is very sensitive. In terms of heart disease or heart attack, uh, time is Correct. sensitive. So for what happens is there's a blockage in your blood vessel leading to absence of blood flow down the coronary arteries and that will lead to actually um, a death of the muscle uh, in, the, mm. in, the, in the heart. Yeah. And uh, that that time frame uh, within uh, six hours will be I would say will be the golden time uh, to right. actually uh, remove the blockage and uh, re-establish flow down. If yeah. uh, any delay, um, the blood flow, uh, the myocardium or uh, the heart muscle will be affected and the scarring is permanent. Mm. Uh, so that we want to avoid as much as possible. So time sensitive. So I'd like to bring to my point that you know if you are suspecting yourself having a chest pain and you are suspecting yourself having a heart attack, yep. I think it's very important to know where to go. Yep. Um, I, I try not to go to a, a you know, the normal clinic um, you know, without any uh, cardiac services or even yep. hospitals that do not provide um, cardiac services may not be able to help you to the... Uh, uh, to what you what you need yeah, at that time. So, of course, um, in IGEN, we have a 24-hour heart attack center. Uh, you can mm-hmm. walk in any time. We can bring you to the cath lab and immediately open the vessels. And also, some other hospital in the uh, Klang Abbey area has this kind of service. Yeah. But if you go to a hospital where they do not have such service, then you may actually uh, delay uh, your, mm. your treatment. You see, uh, you mm. don't know what that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, so, I think the last two episodes I had mm. a conversation with a neurologist they for stroke they actually have an app to detect which are the places where they can intervene for stroke mm-hmm. uh, by any chance to <laughs> oh, unfortunately I don't think we are as advanced as our neurology colleague. <laughs> <laughs> uh, colleagues okay. yeah, I don't, we don't have an app but I think um, most people know where the uh, cardiology uh, mm. services are you know in yep. the government setting in Klang Valley would be Hospital Sedang otherwise mm. Institute Gentle Negara mm-hmm. and then a uh, university hospital like UKM yourself mm. where you are practicing and also uh, University Malaya yeah. uh, Medical Centre and a handful of uh, private hospitals yeah. uh, one thing is um, you know if you walk in with a uh, chest pain into Institute Gentle Negara and you are diagnosed with acute uh, myocardial infarction meaning an ST elevation okay. myocardial infarction a heart attack, heart attack yeah. uh, and you are Malaysian citizens, huh? actually a lot of people do not know this, um, we will uh, do the uh, procedure first huh? yeah. uh, to save the, the life and then uh, uh, in terms of payment and all these things huh? uh, we can uh, be uh, you know, backed up by the government. Mm. So yeah, so that is uh, one of the services that we can provide. Lah. So okay. I would say if you are nearby <laughs> uh, maybe you can drop by. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, if you do have a heart attack, yeah, yeah, of course. Of let's course, let's hope course. we don't have to, you know, no offense, but let's hope we don't have to visit you. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I think recognizing 
again, uh, it's back to knowing your body. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes the, the trouble is I think a lot of us, or at least the Malaysian population, we like to hold on to the pain a little bit longer and mm-hmm. see if it goes away. But I think if it's something that's new, you've never experienced before, uh, it doesn't feel right or quite normal, uh, as soon as possible is important because, you know, there is that yeah. traveling time and then seeing the doctor time, you know, that six yeah. hours is actually not Correct. a very long time to get things settled. Yeah. So Very interesting. Yeah. I think, um, especially for ladies, uh, ladies tend to, we have data to show this as well, ladies tend to, maybe they are very busy, they're taking up mm. the children and all that. They yep. tend to have a higher pain threshold mm. and they tend to um, ignore or maybe uh, bear with the pain and uh, this actually lead to a delayed treatment. Uh, mm. So I, I feel that, you know, if you have anything that's new, uh, you are not sure what's going on, it's always worth uh, having it uh, checked by a doctor. Checked out. Mm. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I think that's that's a very important message here. Mm. I think, you know, mm. uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how many times uh, we've said this, but it's really important to be in tune with your body to know what is, you know, regular and what's irregular and have it checked out. You know, it's yes, not absolutely. being hypochondriac, but sometimes it's just important to know our body and to find out if there is something that's wrong and get it sorted out now. Yeah, I think that's that's good. Uh, I think heart disease is no stranger to most people. Like you said, I think people know of someone or probably maybe even some of uh, our listeners out there may have some heart disease. Uh, yeah. Hopefully not. But I think uh, like, you know, yeah. early detection or even early prevention, actually, it's, it's very important Like we mentioned earlier on the mm. things that mm. we need to do mm. to prevent. Um, there are no symptoms, just like uh, even hypertension or, di- or diabetes might have some symptoms. Yeah. All these probably don't have symptoms very early on. Yeah. And by the time we have symptoms, it's a bit too late. So it's, it's very, very important to uh, get, it, get it checked out, screen yourself, uh, go for a checkup yearly or, or whatever that's that's uh, available to you and uh, if if you know you have one of the risk factors it's very important to keep on top of it mm. right so that it doesn't progress yes correct yeah yeah i think that's that's the important message that i kind of put out here because uh, i think most of the patients you know i, I don't know about you but mm-hmm. when i see some patients when they know they have disease they're mm-hmm. so down mm-hmm. but I, I always tell them that it's not the end in fact if you take care of it, it at least it doesn't get worse. Yeah, yes. That's the most important part. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's a good rehash in mm-hmm. terms of, uh, uh, you know, heart attack and heart, heart disease. Is there anything you want to kind of say as a summary or, you know, add-on before we close? Yeah, I think you have actually summarized it pretty well. I think, um, you know, heart disease is the number one killer in Malaysia. It's mm. very important, you know. Uh, you, you need to give it some attention. Attention. And uh, you know what is uh, the causes of this heart disease and how to uh, reduce your risk uh, mm-hmm. to uh, you know educate yourself and to reduce your risk of uh, developing a heart disease in the future. I think uh, we have uh, given some very good pointers today, uh, hopefully. Yep. And uh, I think it's up to us whether you want to act on it or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I think definitely so. Okay, I think uh, we'll call it a wrap mm. uh, just to not keep things too, too long. Uh, again, David, thank you so much for coming to the podcast and help help educating uh, our audience out there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're very appreciative. Yeah, so until then, uh, again, uh, thank you for listening in. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, bye. Okay, thank you again. Thank you so much for inviting okay. me.